You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We're recording now after the end of the first round of the NFL draft. And uh, my name is Blake Murphy 7, joined by the venerable John Venerable. And we're here to discuss the Arizona Cardinals, their first round pick. Staying at pick number eight, and they take linebacker Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. We had a wild, crazy first round. We'll touch in a bit on that at the end, but we'll spend most of the time going over this pick. Uh, I think that this is a great pick for the cards for the purposes of what they want. Still have some questions, as many people have known from our pods in the past. But before we get into all of that, let's see how my co-host is doing at the end of the first round. John, what's going on for you tonight? How are you feeling after the first live sporting event in what feels like months? I'm just sad it's not still going on. We got to wait till tomorrow to hit hit up round two and three. But you know, I'm feeling good, Blake. It was um, it was kind of predictable, wasn't it? I mean, we talk about the players that went where they were supposed to go. Two of them went to Miami. The Chargers got Herbert. Okuda went to the Lions. You made a comment off air that I think was spot on. This mm-hmm. was the mock draft post combine that that everybody had, and mm-hmm. those are never correct. And we we fast forward now to a a remote world, a pandemic world, where I feel like a lot of GMs maybe felt to some extent that they didn't know how to navigate these waters with, with mm-hmm. high-value picks, with big-money picks like in the top 10. We'll talk about you know, the slew of trades that t- took place later for pennies on the dollar in the first round, but we don't have a trade until pick 13, and that was for a mere fourth to, to bump down to 14 with San Francisco and Tampa Bay. So anybody who thought the Cardinals were going to be in a position to trade, the Lions had zero trade offers. So that should tell you everything they need, everything you need to know, which means that either Miami or the Chargers were comfortable taking BPA or they thought in all actuality there just wouldn't be offers available. But you know, going back, Blake, to, to pick eight, Isaiah Simmons, the writing was on the wall. We've been, we've been teasing it for the better part of a week and a half. Uh, national media, outside of today, because there wasn't much momentum towards Simmons today. Actually, there was kind of the opposite, where you heard um, guys like Ian Rappaport, Evan Silva, talk about how he could potentially fall out of the top ten. And then you talked about Charles Robinson coming out today and saying that they were keen in, that being the Cardinals on offensive tackles. And Chris Mortensen reporting that Kyler and maybe Cliff Kingsbury were pushing for seeding laminate. Everybody but Isaiah Simmons. But leading up to today, Albert Breer, Peter King, multiple national reporters saying that the Cardinals like Simmons. Started with Peter King's calm on Monday. Breer confirmed it the following day. So I think 24 hours ago, Blake, we felt like it would be Simmons. Today, I think, cast a lot of doubt, and usually the information you get the day of the draft is more accurate. Turns out that was not the case. And, you know, for me, at the end of the day, Blake, I, you know, I, if I was telling you this off air, had Tristan Wirfs, who was one of my favorite players in the draft, who would have filled in beautifully at right tackle for this team, gone to the Giants like he was supposed to in every mock draft, right? Or if he went to Carolina or somewhere else before Arizona. I would have been ecstatic with the pick. I'm still excited about the Isaiah Simmons pick. But the fact that, that Tristan Wirfs was there uh, was a little bit of a gut punch. But we, I guess we kind of saw what NFL executives thought of him. 
they I think Twitter and and a lot of the scouting community was higher online than than all actuality. He was the fourth tackle taken, which I never thought would happen. So I don't want to rain on the Simmons parade because I know a lot of fans, when I put that out there, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that pick over Werfs. Clearly, Cardinal fans wanted Simmons. This was a player that a lot of people maybe thought wouldn't be available, was available, could be a transcendent player, somebody who can play multiple positions. Can he be a hybrid linebacker in the form of Tyron Matthew with a little bit of Dansby, with a little bit of Cam Chancellor. I mean, I think the hardest part for a lot of people to grasp who who have doubts about Simmons is we just haven't seen a an individual at his size run and play like he does at Clemson. But here's what I like about it before I throw it to you. I like for the second consecutive year, Steve Kime did not get cute, took a blue chip player from a blue chip program that was competing for national championships, and he was the best defender they had, similar to Kyler Murray a year ago. And we talked about it off air. I believe Steve Kime looked at Isaiah Simmons, clearly had him as a top three player in this draft. I don't think he had Andrew Thomas ahead of him, so that means only Okuda and Young realistically, and I don't think Derek Brown was ahead of him, could have been ahead of Isaiah Simmons. I think he looks at Isaiah Simmons as his defensive Kyler Murray, an eraser, an eraser of mistakes, an eraser of the tight end woes that he's been dealing with, a secondary complimentary pass rusher to Chandler Jones, somebody that on his best day could get you double-digit tackles, one or two sacks, an interception, and a forced fumble, is the ultimate chess piece. And I think that, I mean, I'm guilty of this too, Blake. Are we asking the wrong questions when we're talking about not taking a player or having doubts about the player, not because of the player themselves, but because we're concerned about the coordinator using the player up to their capabilities. If that's the case, that says more about who we're employing as D.C. than the player itself. But at the end of the day, the Cardinals needed more team speed defensively. This is a young man, 4-3-9 at the Combine. Big-time program coming from Clemson will slide in, like you mentioned, Will Linebacker. And, I, you know, at the end of the day, he's a blue-chip player, and they got him at eight, and he's a top-five player in this draft. You can't argue that, Blake. The, the biggest thing that I would have to take away, John, overall from the pick is that Steve Kime, we knew at least going into the draft that one of those three defensive players was who they wanted. What I think ends up being the case, and we've seen it and we talked about this a lot, is that Steve Kime prefers a balanced team. He doesn't want to necessarily put all of his chips on one end. He likes to be able to have, hey, if I'm addressing the offense by trading for DeAndre Hopkins with my second, I wanted to look for a defensive player in the first if those are the best guys that you could possibly get. I think you and I are on the same page. We probably trusted Kingsbury a little bit more with whoever their first round pick would be just to make sure that like, hey, if it's a tackle, you know, at least that you're going to get coached up. If it's going to be a wide receiver, if that's the case, it didn't seem like that was in the cards after a while. When it came to the defensive side, the question was going to be, with the Cardinals having the 23rd ranked offense, do you double down on that and try to strengthen the line, try to get another weapon, and then try to push that offense from you know 23rd up until the top 10? Or do you take a pick on defense, try to get your defense up to maybe being an average defensive unit this year, and then you're like, hey, we can win a lot of games. We're not giving up 28 points a game. I think either approach was fine. I think I would have trusted Cliff a little bit more to be able to take that pick. But that was the whole reason why I was looking at, you know, John, I felt like that lamb would have been a solid spot. Now, when you're talking about a need versus a luxury, 
That was a luxury pick. Isaiah Simmons is a pick that when he went, all the Cardinals fans were like, oh, thank goodness he's here. This is a guy who can stop Russell Wilson's mobility. This is a guy who can run side to side with the Rams running that wide zone that they have with Sean McVay, with a guy who will be able to stop the other tight ends in the division. In that sense, it was a need pick, but it wasn't like it was a reach for need, John. It does feel like you're glad that the Cardinals came down. So what I've said at least about, uh, and this is a previous podcast, I remember the quote was, if they're going to be having a combine named or looking at a prospect that was closest to like Captain America, it would be Isaiah Simmons. And best case scenario for him, at least, if you look at that, is a player who's already in the Cardinals scouting department. Uh, Adrian Wilson is a guy who I think there was a stat that said there was no player in college football who had... Uh, I think it was like four plus sacks and four plus interceptions on the collegiate football this year, or even in the past three to four years. That's very Adrian Wilson-like. We talk about him being a member of the 2020 club. That's why I called him a safety. And while I think at least the Cardinals are going to play him at linebacker with a bit of mobility, it does at least show that that level of athleticism is part of what tantalizes him. So let me throw this back to you as a question, John. Do you think that it's a good thing that the Cardinals are grabbing a guy to fix essentially this linebacker problem that they've had ever since 2014 when Daryl Washington was suspended for the first time. Carlos Dansby came in. They finally seemed to get it together. And then they've kind of had this linebacker issue that's plagued them where you got by for a year with Minter and Buchanan, and then all of a sudden it just seemed like the Cardinals had a huge linebacker issue. They pay a linebacker in Jordan Hicks last year. He fixes the tackling issues, ends up struggling some in coverage, maybe a little on the slow side playing some zone. Steve Keim, after taking Dale Buchanan, Hassan Reddick, are you worried that, hey, this is like how hard it was for them to find a linebacker that they had to get? Or is this just more of a happenstance in the way that the Cardinals were constructed and you just walk away and, hey, like we ended up getting a defensive stud who, you know, could maybe replace some of the impact they had from a Tyron Matthew just at a bigger size. That's what I think they want him to be. Do you have any concerns about that, John, for some of the scouting or anything else having to do with the Cardinals and their future with their GM? No, I mean, listen, Isaiah Simmons, to me, is, number one, it's not a reach pick. And I think you talk about the top five players in this draft, cut and dry, he'd be in that discussion. And so you're getting good value at eight. And then I think it's also evident the Cardinals' front seven is grossly under-talented with defensive impact players. The Cardinals' offense, at the end of the day, limited on the offensive line, but still is, a, is ascending. We're talking about a unit, in my opinion, that's going to be top 10, talking about a unit that could push 25 to 30 points per game. You've added a all-pro receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. You're assuming some ascension from one of the receivers you took last year. You've got Christian Kirk, who I'm still high on, and you've got Kenyon Drake for, for 16 games. The attention to the defense needed to be there. And listen, I know people are excited about a lot of the additions they made in free agency. Outside of maybe Jordan Phillips, a lot of those guys are Band-Aid players. Those are players that weren't, weren't wanted by their franchises. And that's the case most of the time in free agency. It's, they're a Band-Aid approach. You find your blue-chip prospects in the first round for your building blocks, either offensively or defensively. They, do not, they did not have nearly enough. They were starting practice-level players at linebacker last year and in the secondary, which is why I think that Jeff Okuda was talked about in connection with the Cardinals. And so you can't discuss adding an Okuda and, to a lesser extent, Derek Brown and then skip the middle section of the defense when you're talking about potentially needing multiple fillers in that, in that defensive front seven, specifically in that four-man linebacking core. 
Devon Kennard is a really nice locker room guy. He's an effort player. He's not a quintessential pass rusher. He's limited in that area. Devondre Campbell's on a one-year contract and, you know, did some good things for Atlanta last year, but nobody thinks he's a long-term answer. He's a bridge. They're both bridges, in my opinion, for a lot of what um, Isaiah Simmons is going to be able to do. And then he's going to erase a lot of issues they had in the passing game. He can cover bigger receivers. He's going to be on every defensive tight end that they have, that they have to cover. He can come up and stick. He can run sideline to sideline. He's probably going to be their fastest defender right now, Um, or he's in that discussion. But back to your original point. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Washington was a freak, was a player that probably should have gone in the first round given his, his traits. But he had too many off-the-field concerns. And, yes, they've been consistently trying to fill that void since then. A couple stints from Dansby, Kevin Minter in the second round. Um, you know, Jordan Hicks was a nice signing last year. But, again, Simmons is a blue-chip piece on their defense that they otherwise were lacking. They have not developed and drafted a true blue-chipper defensively since maybe Calais Campbell, Patrick Peterson. Buda Baker's just made his first Pro Bowl. Tyron, I'm sorry, yeah, Tyron probably in, in 2013. And again, I was thinking of players that had longer stints with the team. But yeah, that's a great point. You probably put Peterson, Calais, Tyron in that discussion. Chandler was a trade. And Buda, I think, can get there, but still has a ways to go. Made a Pro Bowl last year. Let's see what he does this year before his second contract. Simmons has a chance to join that group of individuals like a Peterson, like a Tyron, like a Calais, where you're looking at this defense five five years from now, and he's the anchor. He's the alpha defensively. They have nobody in their front seven other than Chandler Jones that scares people. People still think their defensive line is soft, even with the addition of Jordan Phillips. Let's see what Zach Allen does. So again, this is going, you're getting a top five. Maybe he's a top three player on their board. We don't know at a position of need that checks every box from measurables to combine to off the field to the game film whatever, and he's the modern NFL player. I would be more concerned if my team was so cut and dry, stuck in a box of saying, we can't play this guy because we play this X scheme and we're doing things the old, it's the Gettleman mindset, right? We're going to take a nose tackle in the first round. We're going to, you know, it, that's, that's old school thinking, and that's going to get you beat. The, Car- the Cardinals made a, a decision last year when they took Kyler Murray that they were just going to take impact game changers, hopefully from big programs. And if this is the start of a trend that we're seeing it in two consecutive years, listen, Clemson it was in big-time games, national championship games. He was the best player on the field defensively for, for them, and most of the time was the best player on the opposing team as well. So I, I, you can't complain about the pick. Now, I, I think it's important to address the offensive line, but I also know at the end of the day the Cardinals had leads in multiple games that they should have closed out that they couldn't because their defense was so poor. You're looking at Blake uh, the Sam, the second San Francisco game, the Tampa game comes to mind where they could just get one stop on one possession and you probably win those games. They were unable to do that and, and it burnt them. So as much as I want them to address right tackle, I'm also uh, painfully, it's painfully obvious defensively, they were old, they were slow, they can't rush the passer consistently, they can't defend the tight end, they were historically bad there. You get a player at eight that checks all those boxes, you get his rights for five years, my only, my only pushback is, you know, what is the shelf life for an inside linebacker these days? But then I think to myself, well, he's not a true Luke Keekley inside linebacker where he's just sticking his nose in there. You want 130 tackles. He's a chess piece that at the end of the day, 
Let's see if he has 70 to 80 tackles on the season. Let's see if he can reach double-digit sacks, two or three interceptions. That's what you're looking for. Um, and I think it's what we hoped Darrell Washington would be. But again, this is a better prospect for people who want to compare it to the two off-ball inside linebacker tweeners that they took. Hassan Reddick was a defensive end at Temple, not nearly the, the prospect of Isaiah Simmons. And Dayon Buchanan played in the Pac-12, Pac-10, at Washington State as a safety hybrid was a fringe first rounder. This is not the same kind of prospect. This is somebody who I fully expect, if they use him correctly, will be pushing for Pro Bowl status in in two or three years. Blake. Yeah, that's exactly what you want. So your hope is that he turns into a Darius Leonard type of player. Well, um, the the Cardinals in this sense they are very familiar. Like you said, John. They were willing to take a chance on a player that a lot of other teams probably would not have because of their history with the safeties, with hybrid players. Um, the fact that Steve Kime, I thought it was very funny when someone asked, how are you going to use him? He said, exactly how he was at Clemson, exactly how he was at Clemson. And to me, it feels like that in that sense, they've learned some from the Hassan Reddick pick, which is my hope that they would have then taken everything that they did wrong with Hassan Reddick from taking a guy who would, as a smaller defensive end, rack up tackles for loss, being able to use him kind of as an edge linebacker and mostly keep him on the line, to taking a guy whose best strength, in my opinion, John, it's not his run fits. That'll be the one thing that I think as a rookie we'll end up seeing a couple times where he may take a bad angle or have something wrong, but you're going to see, I think, a high number of tackles for loss. Hopefully they'll be able to use him off of the edge either as a blitzer or a pass rusher at times. And then in coverage is the biggest strength that he has. You look at a lot of the times where he would um, be able to get some of the interceptions and be able to, like you said, cover and ride. Sometimes it would even be, hey, this is the slot receiver is the team's number one weapon. <laughs> and he's the guy who's matched up on them, and he's carrying him down the field. And in that sense, I think that I'm more curious to find out how is he going to look with him and Buda Baker? Is it going to be a spot where the Cardinals finally take this next step of kind of finding positionless defense? Because like you even pointed out, John, I think of the end of the 49ers game when um, there's that little small swing pass to the running back, and Chandler Jones, instead of rushing yep. at Jimmy Garoppolo, was the guy who had to peel off and was in coverage. That would not be Chandler Jones coming up for this one with Isaiah. It'd be Isaiah Simmons instead, and he'd be the guy who would essentially have that responsibility, and he'd be able to track him down tackle him because that's something we saw him do on tape. And that sense, John, I think that this is a solid pick for Arizona. I would probably give this pick a B. Now, for me, there's like only a few picks that would have gotten, I think, uh, an A or being Let's able to you know, trade back and take a player. Yeah, I would have given an A to Okuda. I would have given at least an A to, I think at least if you had taken Lamb, I would have given that probably an A minus. Wow. I would have preferred, hey, you know, you traded back a little bit and got him. If they'd taken him right there at pick eight, I'd have been like, okay, you probably could have gotten him a little bit later. We especially know that now. So they take him right at, so it's kind of ironic to say, but if they'd taken him a little later than eight, I'd have been like, okay, probably could have traded back. I would have given a A pick to, um, I think, another a trade back at least that would have seen a, uh, or I would have probably given Jedrick Wills. I would have given that one probably a B plus to an A, specifically because even though I know there's a lot of stuff with Wills, he was still, at least for me, my top-rated tackle and would have showed a commitment to protecting Kyler Murray. So as far as the overall draft goes, John, we're going to go into tomorrow's draft. Um, the Cardinals are picking at 72. Yes, yes. We'll see if they stay there. That's the biggest question is will Steve Kime try to make a move up for a player? They've got two fourth-round picks this year thanks to the Houston Texans who decided to essentially gift the Cardinals a fourth-round pick along with DeAndre Hopkins. 
Will they use any of next year's picks trying to make a push? There's a lot of questions that I think should be out there, John. Who are some of at least the areas of position that you feel like, or is this a spot where the Cardinals are, should run to the podium to grab the best tackle that they can, even if they have to trade up? Goodness, Blake. Uh, so let's let's talk about a trade up before we do anything else, because it's I, I put this on Twitter. I'm a, I'm a hypocrite in the sense that you know don't complain about a second round pick. You have Hopkins. And I'm going to be sitting there, and it's going to be death by 39 picks for me between pick 33 and 72. So before I get to players that I like, um, if you package via the NFL trade chart, if you package pick 72 and 111, which is their third and their first fourth, you can get into, depending on the team, that sweet spot of 59, 60, 61. I think 60 belongs to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and so, theoretically, let's, let's use that, or excuse me, the Baltimore Ravens. Let's use that as a tipping point. We know they, they usually like to trade down. They like to maneuver, right? Kaim has not been this aggressive in the past, but I think if you see a tackle available or an interior offensive lineman that you think can come in and produce for you, here are a couple in mind. It's, it's a pipe dream to think that, that Josh Jones is going to make it there. I think he's going to be within the first 10 picks tomorrow. So he's out. Uh, I think Ross Blacklock could be in the discussion, but I don't think he's going to be there. He plays on the defensive line. He doesn't play tackle. Ezra Cleveland is somebody that they liked, that they met with. He's Boise State tackle. I think if he starts, if he gets past pick 50, Kime's going to start working the phones to try to get up and get him. Now, you could get real aggressive and package your third and both your fourths and get him, and boy, what a haul that would be, Blake, because I know a lot of people maybe had a fringe first-round grade on him. Um, but when you saw the run on tackles in the in the 20s, that hurt my heart. When I guys like Isaiah Wilson, who I'm not a fan of, but the more Austin Jackson, the more those guys start going, it's going to push other guys up tomorrow. I think tackle is a position – I think the kid from Boise State, who they worked out, Curtis Weaver, edge rusher, could be an option. Boy, coming out of this draft with a, with an inside backer, not an inside backer, but a chess piece inside pressure backer, you know, whatever you want to call Simmons. I hate to even put him at one position. And then coming with Curtis Weaver to take over for Devon Kennard maybe on third down, that, that's a, just a shot in the arm for your defense. That's somebody I would look at. Um, I know a lot of people think we need to add to the secondary. I just think, you know, between Alfred Peterson, Byron I think Murphy, you just did, John. I th- <laughs> yes, we did. I think so, you yes. just did add to the secondary. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't love any corners at that point. I think a lot of corners were overdrafted. Uh, I like the tackle, Lucas, N- I can never pronounce his last name, Nyang from TCU. That's Nyang. an option. Matt Hennessy, the tackle from, or excuse me, the uh, center from Temple that you could kick to guard. Um and then, you know, I think a lot of receivers are going to go. We're going to see in the second round. I'm a big Michael Pittman fan. I don't think he's going to be there. Denzel Mims, T. Higgins. Um, we're going to see a lot of the run on, on running backs. Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. Um, that, that corner Fulton from LSU still hanging around. I would say look out for an edge rusher or tackle. If they, if they like one and if they fall into the 50s, look for time to potentially move up. But let's say he stays at pick 72, Blake. More realistic targets. Maybe you look at Matthew Pert from UConn. Maybe you look at Roquan Davis, who I like, who's a three technique from the University of Alabama. Um, you're not going to look at any linebackers, I would think, at this point. Maybe you look at 
I, I, goodness, it's hard to it's, – it's, is it fair to say we can cross off safety slash linebacker now at this draft because of the depth they have between Simmons being able to play inside, being able to play in the secondary? They took two safeties last year. They signed Campbell. They've got Hicks. I, ju- I just think they're going to be looking for – if they're looking for anything, defensive line to beef up and potentially find another rotational defensive lineman next year, offensive line, clearly any of the five positions, or potentially a pass rusher – which become scarce on day three. I think day three, they keep a fourth, have their six, maybe you go developmental wide receiver. I think tomorrow, if they make a pick, defensive line, offensive line, or edge rusher, Blake. Yeah, John, this is going to be one of the interesting spots to find out how how the Cardinals are going to uh, treat this draft as far as if they're going to try to say, hey, we need to go for it, we'll give them a future pick versus – keeping the pick that they have, letting kind of the best player that they feel is their fault to them, and then move up if they feel like that they might not be able to get them. Um, We'll have to see as far as for some of the different names. Again, like we've talked about, and we'll have to see, they're still going to be looking for a running back behind um, their current running back, at least, that they have, who is Chase Edmonds. And, um, oh gosh, I hate how it always slips for that one here. Um, uh, DJ Foster. Name is at least skipping. Oh no 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 no! I was gonna say you're looking for a guy behind your current starter and Kenyon Drake. Oh, Kenyon you Drake. Gotcha, have gotcha. Kenyon Drake for eight million on a one year deal. On a one year deal, and if you sign him to a long term deal, you still could. But I w- would think that if the Cardinals had a desire to add another one of the running backs, they could at least. And there's going to be quite a few who are available on day two. I'll be curious if one of them ends up getting close enough to 72, if the Cardinals value that high enough, or if they're just wanting to say, hey, we'll address that hill when we get to it. Let's go ahead and maybe take another guy to hedge our bets somewhere late on day three, round four, round five. And we'll just continue to ride out with Drake after him being such a great fit. Uh, that's going to be at least for us tonight, just on the Revenge of the Birds. Going to have it a little bit shorter. We'll get into more of the post-draft commentary, as well as going over the rest of the NFL draft as a whole um, next week. We'll just make sure we can keep providing some of this content for you as well. Uh, we'll get a little bit tomorrow night, and then probably a little bit of a wrap-up at least sometime on Saturday or Sunday will drop as well once day three is done. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you're following us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as uh, iHeartRadio, Himalaya. We're also on Stitcher. Make sure you follow us on revengeofthebirds.com. John, where can our listeners find you? You can find and, and come give me grief at Johnny Touchdown on Twitter. Of course, you can find us here on the ROTB podcast and as well as revengeofthebirds.com. And goodness, people are giving me heat for the worst over Simmons take tonight. I didn't know how many of you guys love Simmons. I don't dislike Simmons. I like him fine. We can disagree. Let's not have groupthink here. As I say, John, your mentions are nothing compared to mine since I was the one who questioned the most about what the player, the fit for a lot of those. True, true. Knew ultimately the Cardinals really liked him and would take him. And that's kind of a case of we'll see. Hey, I, I still like the player. If they use him properly, I think that it's going to be a great pick. That's going to be the biggest case I'll have to see. And in that case, I said, hey, looking at their defense next year, you've got Chandler Jones. you got a new guy who's going to be a much better edge and coverage guy and, De- and uh, Devon Kennard next to him you got a guy up the middle who can get some pressure now along next to Peters. You've got a Zach Allen hopefully coming back in that regard. The linebacker spot, now you're going to be talking about a veteran to kind of pair with Simmons, uh, with Jordan Hicks along with Devondre Campbell. 
And you got Patrick Peterson, hopefully your number two cornerback in year two of Byron Murphy to go with Buda Baker. If you have Simmons, like we said, tossed into that mix, that's going to be a fast, very, very aggressive hitting defense that can hopefully be able to get after the quarterback in a much bigger way than they could last year. And uh, if that's the case, call me cautiously optimistic. I, I don't know. Like I, I jokingly tweeted, like, eh, this is the Vance Joseph contract extension pick, but we'll, let's see what Vance can do in this area and then find out exactly what this Cardinals team is capable of while they make use of the Kyler Murray rookie contract. Well, thanks again for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you guys tomorrow for the pick and Cardinals at number 72. Take care. Whoa.